Welcome to The Beginner's Guide to all things economic, political, and sociocultural. Here we will be sharing quick bites into all the topics, concepts, and theories that we all talk about but should probably know a little bit more about. I'll be doing my best to keep it all unbiased, to the point, and hopefully interesting enough to inspire you to dig a little deeper on your own. With that being said, I'm your host, Emmy Davis, and I'm joined this week by Jeremy Davis, and this is a beginner's guide to taxes. There are a few things in life that are certain. Any idea what they could be? I'm going to say death and taxes for 200. That was the voice of the beginner's guides, Jeremy Davis. Say hello to the people, Jeremy. Hello. I'm excited to be here. Considering it's tax day here, I would normally second guess excited as the emotion of choice. But I happen to know that you are particularly passionate about taxes. It's more so that I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out how they work, how they affect me, and why. Got it. I, on the other hand, realize that I've been extremely undereducated on the topic until more recently. That's the sad thing. Most people are, unless they've been able to take the time and research taxes for themselves, they don't tend to adequately cover it in schools. I actually don't think I had anyone attempt to cover it until my college econ classes. And even then, it was a pretty quick overview. So where should we start? We might as well start at the beginning. Or at least the beginning here in the U.S. Sounds good. What'd you find out? The Founding Fathers had somewhat of a complicated relationship with taxes. One of the final tipping points, pun intended, that led to the American Revolution was the Townshed Act imposed by the British. These taxes are the ones that led to the Boston Tea Party. Hence the pun. That one imposed taxes on essential goods like paint, paper, glass, lead, and tea, right? Exactly. Their anger over being taxed so heavily without proper representation in England was, in large part, their breaking point with the crown. So when it was time to form their own government, taxes were still a bit of a touchy subject. Most of the taxes that we know of today didn't exist when the Constitution was written. Yes. In fact, the Constitution restricted direct taxation by the federal government, at least until the 16th Amendment passed. So if they didn't tax individuals, what did they tax? They must have relied on taxing imports and some excise taxes, which is the taxing of specific goods. Between the states and the federal government, taxes have been added and taken away over the years. It wasn't until World War II and after that we saw the largest leap in U.S. taxes. Income taxes alone have consistently supplied around 40 to 50% of federal revenue since then. And 40 to 50% ends up being quite a bit, which is most likely why federal income tax has the most discussion around it. Real quick before we hop into that discussion, we should probably go over the different kinds of taxes as well as some of the other taxes we pay. Good call. The two main types of taxes are called a progressive rate tax or a flat tax. They work just like they sound. A progressive tax means that the money someone owes will go up and down in accordance to another factor. Oftentimes it's dependent on income levels. And a flat tax simply means that it is the same for everyone no matter what. An example of this would be the federal payroll tax. A certain amount is automatically taken out of each paycheck and put towards Social Security and Medicare. Here in the United States, we pay both federal and state taxes. What those state taxes are and how much is all dependent on what state you live in. The largest source of tax revenue for most states is property tax. The state income tax could be a large revenue generator, but not every state charges income tax. Majority of states charge state income tax. 
and 11 of those states have a flat income tax rate. Meaning, the same percentage is taken from every single person who lives there. And seven states don't impose income tax at all. You're right. Most of them either generate the majority of their revenue a different way. Like Texas. Besides property tax, Texas has very few state-level taxes. Or Alaska, Florida, and Nevada, who do a thing called tax exporting. Wait, how do they do that? Alaska pulls most of their tax revenue from taxing the oil extraction of outside companies. And I know that Florida pulls a lot of tax revenue in by charging the out-of-state tourists a higher tax rate and frequency than other places. I believe Nevada is the same. You're correct. They're able to do the same thanks to Las Vegas. All right, Jeremy, now is your time to shine. Let's talk about the kinds of taxes everyone is always up in arms about. Federal income tax. This one can drive me crazy. It can be so inaccurately represented by so many. It ends up being pretty simple, though, especially if you have a chart to look at, which we don't since this is a podcast. Well, at its core, it does become relatively simple. It's the figuring out what part of your income is taxable or tax-exempt that can get confusing. Okay, so on the most basic level, how does it all break down? So, like I mentioned before, it's a progressive tax. So everything starts with an individual's or household's taxable income. Depending on what that number is, they will fall into one of the following seven tax brackets. 10%, 12%, 22%, 24%, 32%, 35%, and 37%. And once you're in a bracket, you're taxed at that percentage? Yeah, plus every percentage amount of the bracket that falls below yours. This is, of course, unless you're in the bottom 10% bracket, then you only pay 10% of your taxable income. Okay. How does it work for someone who, let's say, is in the 22% tax bracket? To be in that bracket, their taxable income would have to fall somewhere between $55,901 a year and $89,050 a year. So when calculating the final taxes owed, always start your math from the bottom and work your way up. Just to be clear, it's not taking that 22% and adding the 12% and 10% rates that fall below. Instead, each individual rate is applied one by one. Basically, let me try and simplify it. Say you have $75 and are in that 22% bracket, and I have 50 and fall into that 12% bracket directly below you. We would both take out that 10% from our first $25, then we would both take out 12% from the next $25. Since I only have $50, I would stop there. However, since I was in the higher tax bracket, I would then continue to take out 22% of the next $25. Yeah, everyone owes the same exact amount on the same exact amount. It's just that the people who have more income than others have to keep taking out larger percentages from the remainder of their money. I highly recommend checking out a chart of the tax brackets. All of the numbers are tough to keep track of. Quick side note. The top 1% paid a greater share of individual income taxes than the bottom 90% combined. That same top 1% paid at a rate seven times higher than taxpayers in the bottom 50%, which is just a bit of a different situation than some people like to admit. Now on less of an individual level and more on a political and economic level, taxes are an interesting topic to examine. 
Most free market thinkers feel that taxes today are mostly a zero-sum game. How so? Beyond their point that the government simply takes a larger and larger portion as you work harder and more, there is the idea that the government is taking money from the private sector and spending it everywhere else. They feel that there's a huge imbalance between what is collected by the federal government and how much of it ends up truly bettering the citizens. That could also have an impact on incentive. In order to avoid jumping to the next tax bracket, people may not want to continue working and exceed a certain income level. Tax hikes and tax cuts are constantly being discussed and reworked. Especially when the economy is looking grim. There's a clear pattern of the temporary one to five year tax cuts or redemptions to stimulate the economy. Virtually all of the most productive and prosperous periods in peacetime have followed significant tax rollbacks. Both Adam Smith and Milton Friedman suggested that an ideal world would include low taxes. The government's running of the printing presses runs contrary to this brand of economics. They were right in pointing out that no one, not even an elected government, is going to voluntarily reduce the amount of money coming their way. Oh, I almost forgot. The amount of tax revenue collected by the federal government for 2021 totaled around $4.03 trillion, with about $2.04 trillion coming from the federal income tax alone. Not a bad business. Sounds like they could stand and maybe not need as much. Probably not. Especially when you look at the efficacy of a lot of the government-funded programs versus the one that are privately run and funded. Keeping jobs and opportunity in the free market isn't the only thing that benefits us. Keeping our money in the free market can end up benefiting us all just as much. Just maybe not as much if you're a politician. I think most of us can live with that. I think so too. This has been The Beginner's Guide to Taxes, and I'm your host, Emmy Davis. And I'm Jeremy Davis. This podcast is a subject entertainment production for Free Markets Destroy, a project of the Washington Policy Center. Free Markets Destroy celebrates the power of free markets to tackle humanity's most daunting challenges. The world isn't perfect, but it's getting better every day thanks to entrepreneurs who work tirelessly to deliver life-changing innovations. Washington Policy Center is a nonpartisan, nonprofit, public policy research organization that publishes studies, sponsors events, and educates citizens on vital public policy issues. For more information on either, check out freemarketsdestroy.com or washingtonpolicy.org. As always, thanks for listening and do your own research.